Hey guys, welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. My name is Steph Ganowski, and as a men's coach, I'm on a mission to help men prioritize themselves, take ownership over their challenges, set boundaries in their relationships, and much more, all while adding a female touch and perspective. I hope this podcast helps you. We need you men, and as a woman, I'm rooting for you. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Men podcast. I am stoked. I can't wait to bring you this episode because I just listened to the whole thing once again. I've been doing that a lot lately, but that just shows that my guests are awesome. Yeah, Ah, I'm back in New York City. The sun is shining. It is summer. I hope you guys are enjoying summer. I actually made a summer fun list (laughs) right on my desk with a bunch of shit. It's like, get a tattoo, go jet skiing, take a cooking class, ride on a motorcycle, take an LA trip. There's some other stuff on there. But if you haven't made a list like this, I'm telling you to do it because it really is a great way to get you pumped for summer and also for just living your best life. You know, we sometimes forget to to prioritize fun shit and to have a list right smack in front of your face every day is really like motivating me to put all these things in place. So I definitely am working towards these things, which is super fucking cool. Anyway, another thing I have to mention to you that is huge, huge news My new course, Relationship Mastery for Men, is now launched. So pretty much everything I've combined in the last three years working with men, what has worked best and how can I serve a larger group of men um, and teaching them all the essentials. So this is for you if you want to manage your emotions, if you want to build positive habits into your daily life, and if you want to improve your communication skills, especially with women. It is a hybrid course, which means you have some access to the technology of the course itself. You could go at yourself your own pace, but you also have live calls with me. So I am so excited that it is out there. Click the link in the bio or the description um, to find out more. There's a little video to give you more info, and then you could uh, schedule a call with me. It's really if you want to really work on your relationship with yourself, because only then can you improve your relationships with women. All right. So getting to today's guest, before I do his intro, you guys are going to be blown away by this guy. I just met him in person, actually, a couple weeks ago. We both live in New York City. And the energy and the fire in this guy's spirit and heart is like, holy shit. He's just one of the most passionate people ever. And he just, he stops at nothing where he has this way of just mentally understanding how to get out of the shit and into the life that you want. So I'm going to welcome now Craig Siegel. Craig Siegel is a mindset coach, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, breakthrough manufacturer, performance enhancer, and the host of the record-breaking podcast, The CLS Experience. He is featured in Entrepreneur, MSN, and Yahoo Finance, and also seen on Biz TV and the award-winning CBS talk show, Wake Up With Marcy. When the pandemic happened, Craig left his lucrative and stable job on Wall Street and went all in on his passion and purpose to help people revamp their mindset and alter their perspective. He combined that with his entrepreneurial spirit and he began what the world would now know as Cultivate Lasting Symphony, CLS, a multi-seven-figure jaggernaut and movement that has resonated all across the globe. Craig believes that the most dynamic people are those who can dictate their inner experience and he helps facilitate that by allowing people to tap into their own potential and access their own magic and manufacture gigantic brick in their life. Craig's unique combination of energy, motivation, inspiration, charisma, and business success has led to the rise of CLS. 
Peg, thanks so much for being here. I'm super pumped to talk to you. Like I said, I was just telling, guys, I was just telling Craig uh, before I hit record that just checking out his website, it got me amped up. And like, you say the word fire too. You're like, light a fire. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> so thanks for coming on. And I'm excited to get your energy into this show. I love all of it. I love your work as well. And like I said before, we went on air, I know that we both do a lot of these, but we'll absolutely keep this fresh. We'll keep it different. We'll manufacture some magic and we'll get the audio on absolute fire. Yes. Woo. <laughs> okay. Um, so I've been, you know, when I work with my clients, it's, it's all about preparing their mind for rejection with women or preparing their mind for excitement for a date. And putting themselves in that state is sometimes something that can be um, difficult. How did you get to understand state? I know you used to work on Wall Street and then you left to study neuro-linguistic programming, which is awesome. So what was that? I'm asking so many questions because I'm excited, but, <laughs> but like what okay. made you make that transition and make you realize how important it was to learn how to manage your state? Yeah. So being able to control your state is absolutely everything in my opinion. And so when I first got to Wall Street, I didn't leave Wall Street to study NLP. I actually started studying NLP while I was on Wall Street. And it really just, it changed everything for me in the world, specifically my results in all areas. And once I was able to comprehend how you can have the ability to elevate your state on command, like with the snap of your fingers or like, like tap into some confidence that people will say they don't, you know, doesn't come natural to them and so forth. Everything changed for me, specifically my performance in business, my athletic performances. And even as you attested to earlier in the conversation, like even something as corny and simple as approaching a pretty girl at the bar, like I was able to exude a level of confidence that I never knew I was privy to. And I was able to do that by tapping into certain tools such as modeling, anchoring, and being able to elevate my state, because I'm sure you'd agree, from an elevated state, it's not what can I do, it's what can I do. The problem is, is most people wake up and they're in a lowered state, and then they see the day, like they, they only see obstacles and problems, and they're looking up at all these things, whereas when you're in an elevated state, respectfully, you're looking down at all these things, and they're not problems, they're possibilities, and so it did everything for me. Wow. So like, what made you, since you were studying, studying it while you were on Wall Street, what made you realize, wow, I need to, I need to direct, redirect my career focus and start helping people with this? Like what was, what made that shift? Yeah. So honestly, that didn't happen until the pandemic. So oh. I was obsessed with NLP and mindset stuff. And then I had a 10 year career on Wall Street. I, I left that industry I started another business, built that into an eight-figure juggernaut, which was a little bit of a different industry, um, but something in the finance world, so to speak. And only, but here's the thing: when I was studying personal development for the last ten years, you know, no one's life goes up in a straight line. There's peaks and there's valleys and there's setbacks, there's highs and there's lows. But one thing that was consistent to me is I was obsessed with personal development. I just never knew, Stephanie, that I was going to make it into my life, so to speak. And so. When the pandemic happened, I closed my office down for what I thought would be two weeks. Who knew last March? And I just realized, like I looked myself in the mirror and I had that tough conversation with myself. I was like, do I really want to go back to providing working capital to businesses? Like, am I leaving a mark on the world? Am I happy? And the truth matter is, is I've been suffering and miserable for the last couple of years. I just, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to like identify it, but it was just a, 
a lot of stuff happened in the world and I make no excuses. I, I take full accountability and so forth. But I was like dying a slow death. Like I was waking up every day, going to a job, which I'm the owner and I'm very grateful for, but I didn't light my soul on fire. I, I would go in, I would do my thing and I would come home. And I was just like, I don't know. I had this deep conversation myself. And I said this, I was like, if my funeral was in a couple of weeks, like, what would people say about me? And like, yes, I made an impact on close family and friends, but I didn't leave a mark on this world just because I had some success. I didn't really share my gifts with the world. And I realized that that's actually being selfish. So make a long story short, in the pandemic, I thought I had two weeks. I put myself in another frequency, not to sound too spiritual, but I, I heard the whispers and I felt the tap of my shoulder. And it was like, of course, to come full circle to your question. I've always been obsessed with personal development, NLP and stuff like that. What if maybe it's not only my passion, what if it's my purpose? The very next day on a run, I pulled over in Central Park. I pulled out the domain to the website that you checked out, Cultivate Lasting Symphony, which is a play on my initial CLS. Started putting out content, selling out back-to-back-to-back coaching programs, masterminds, launching a podcast, 100,000 downloads in three months. And the rest, as they say, is history. But I'll say this. Now that I finally feel aligned and like found what I'm supposed to do in this world, I'll be doing something along these lines until my last breath. This is it for me. That's amazing. That's amazing to have like that certainty because I feel like so many people just don't have it. And they're like, how do I find my purpose? And how do I like, what would you tell a guy who's just kind of lost in that way where he's just like, I'm not that happy. There's so many guys that just can literally tell me like, I'm not, I'm not happy. Like they just upfront say it, like they know it, but it's like, they don't know where to go in their life. Yeah, it's so true. And I would say most people are not happy in their life. And I know that now looking back, like I was unauthentic. I was a people pleaser. And I only know that now because now I've never been more Craig Siegel than I am right here in this conversation. And so, you know, a lot of my clients, when I start with them, some of them have a great idea and they need confidence and a strategy to kind of go pursue that moonshot. But a lot of other people, like you just said, they have trouble distinguishing what their passion or purpose might even be they don't even know like what direction to take and, and that was me for a little bit of a long, you know a good couple of years recently and so once I finally discovered CLS for me I acted very swiftly and decisively but for those people I would suggest journaling what are some of your passions who are some people that you follow whether it be social media actors so whoever the case would be where do you gravitate towards what are things that light your fire? What are things that excite you, put a smile on your face? And then we can kind of start reverse engineering and going from there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think guys are more, more men are open to journaling now. Like it's not so weird where like it's more normalized at this point where guys are comfortable, like fine, at least putting their thoughts on paper, maybe not like speaking it aloud as much, but putting on paper. And I think that's, like you said, it's the first step is just get it out of your body at least and get it yeah. a little organized. Do you think it was the fact that you took fast action that allowed you, like, what was it like when it comes to, cause I know like fear of failure is a huge one for guys. Like how did you feel so sure of yourself when just diving fully in? Great question. And also I just want to say in regards to the journaling, I never even knew that journaling was like a masculine or feminine thing. I just, ever since I started studying the mindset and all that personal development stuff, I have seven journals all the time for different things. And I would always go into them. So for the audience listening right now, specifically the guys, forget about sexuality, journal, put a pen to paper. You'll be astonished at the magic that you'll be able to create. It's very therapeutic and it's very productive. So I only just found out that it, that it was a thing that guys don't like to journal. Get in there, forget about it. There's no proper way to journal. Just get in there and start. 
in regards to the fear of failure, once I identified how unhappy I was, and more importantly, this CLS thing, and I started to put together like a mission statement where I'm taking this thing. And I think very big, I make most people feel uncomfortable with how big I think. I said, I had that moment, let me be very clear about like imposter syndrome, like who's going to listen to me. I, I don't have a social media presence, but I wasn't super comfortable in front of the camera, believe it or not. And then I started, you know, crossing things off the list and speaking to that critic in my head. And I said, as the realist, I was like, well, actually you did start two businesses from the ground up in eight figures. You did go from not being able to run a mile to run four marathons. At very, you have done all these things. So you do have a story to tell. And then most importantly, I said to myself, I, I made this very real. I said to go back to my business after the pandemic. And again, I thought I might have two or three weeks at that point. But I was like, to go that route, now that I've acknowledged, I've become self-aware that it doesn't make me happy to do that for another six months, God forbid another six years. Like I need to associate that with death. That's how real it is for me. And now that I have the CLS idea, it's a no brainer. The scariest thing I could do is not take that shot. So I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, why not you? And then I just started putting together strategies and, you know, step-by-step step, you start to gain confidence in it and, and the rest is history. Wow. That's so powerful. Like using that, um, using that associate, that negative association to staying in the same place and actually making it so powerful to where it just scares the shit out of you. Like it's as close to death as it is like anything. I think like we often have, what'd you say? You have to make it real. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like, why, why are we so, or I mean, I feel like we're just so either obsessed with a goal we have in front of us, or we just like, or like, or I'll just stay where I am. And we don't really like most people don't associate staying where we are to something that's like, you know, I don't know. Is that what keeps the fire from lighting people's asses? Is like not have not really fearing their current state, just kind of like being okay with it? It's interesting. And it's such a good question, Steph. I was having a conversation with one of my one-on-one clients the other day. And he has a great idea. He has, you know, a fitness coaching business on the side, but it's not his primary job. His primary job is something else, which he hates. It does nothing for him. And he has so much potential to really take his coaching platform to another level. So I had this conversation with him. I was like, buddy, you got to associate going backwards and like going that route with death. Like it has to be very real for you so that you can go all in with this because you're not really going to get to second base with your foot still on first. You're just not because you only have so much energy and your frequency, you know, only it has to be in the right areas with alignment and so forth. And so look, everybody's different. There's different tools that make different people tick, but I'll say this to the audience. And I think this is very valuable. You can change what you associate pain and pleasure to. It's very real. This is very deep stuff. If you're having trouble leaving something that you know is not good for you anyway, I challenge you to associate that thing with death. Obviously there's nothing worse than death, right? Well, or, or maybe there is something worse. And that's what I was doing a couple years back. I was just existing. I wasn't even alive. And so, yeah, you can change what you associate pain and pleasure to, and you can make things so painful that you have no choice to go the other way. It's the same thing for someone that's like trying to get fit. Like they want to lose 20 pounds, but like they keep having that bag of Doritos every night and subconsciously they don't realize it, but they're associating that with pleasure. It's why they keep doing it. But if you actually change the signals to your brain, you associate that with pain. Now all of a sudden you don't want to do that. You want to skip the stuff that doesn't serve you because that's pleasurable and so forth. Mm. 
Love that. Yeah, I'm reading Atomic Habits. I just finished Atomic Habits, um, which is an amazing book. And he was talking about leaving poor habits. And one of his main points was you got to make it like, you got to make it pretty much disgusting. Like you have to associate your bad habit with something that disgusts you or like, like you just hate, like you detest it. So like, what is, what is a way, like, what is an actual tool? You know, you're talking about associated with death or whatever, if it's more than, if it's stronger than, if there's something stronger than death can do that. What exactly does that look like for someone to associate it? Is that like journaling and getting like brain, like rehearsal of that association? A lot of people in their mindset, like in their frame, they see things and they might not even realize it's subconscious and they see it with colors and they also hear it almost like there's a soundtrack. And so what I suggest is for the things that you really don't want to be a part of, I would see that in your head and I would drain it of its colors, make it into a very small, tiny black and white Polaroid. And then see yourself tossing that into the ocean, like literally going miles and miles down and visualize that and see it. And the things that you want to step into that are very pleasurable, that you want more of, I would associate that with big, bright colors that you like, and then stepping into that and kind of owning it. So it's a great question. You can also journal and stuff like that. But I think you really have to plant the seed in your subconscious mind because then it becomes very real. Mm. So the visual aspect is really important. I think so. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. I like like the the color being part of it because yeah, that makes it yeah. color. That makes it yeah. So interesting. Can you? I want to go back to anchoring because you mentioned anchoring quickly, and that's definitely something I'm familiar with. But can you go when it comes to guys? Um, I have a lot of guys talking to me about, um, or just telling me, you know, I wake up and I'm kind of just like, here we go. Oh, another day. And it's that mindset of they want to have a different mindset waking up and they want to feel better overall. Um, and these are guys that actually do want it. Like they're like, I really want it. I'm just not feeling it, you know? So it's not like victim guys who are just like giving up. Right. But they're having, they're having a hard time, like getting there, getting to that state and having it be consistent. So how can they use anchoring? Can you explain what anchoring is and how they can use anchoring as a way of changing their mood when they wake up in the morning? Yeah, so anchoring is, is a very effective tool. It's almost magical if applied correctly on a deep level. So anchoring gives you the opportunity to tap into a state or an experience from the past that was very exhilarating and brought joy to you. For example, Maybe it was the day you had a kid. Maybe the day you got married. Maybe when you closed the first business deal. Maybe it's when you crossed the line of, of a marathon, which I like to utilize. You put yourself just for 30, 60 seconds, right back in that moment. You see what it, you saw. You feel what it felt like. You smell what it smelled like. And you bring yourself to that moment. Then you bring yourself back to the present. And whatever activity you're about to step into, you then step into that from that elevated state. And it stays with you. So for example, like for me, like, let's just say I had to make, I don't know, I'm just giving an example, an important call. And I was a little intimidated. Let's just say I was trying to like close a billionaire or something of that nature. Um, I would utilize anchoring. I would put myself back into one of a, a couple select few. Specifically, when I crossed the finish line of the most recent marathon I ran at the end of 2019, which was Philadelphia. I PR'd, which was a personal record for me. I remember very vividly, it was pouring rain. I remember seeing everyone in their ponchos. I remember right when I crossed the finish line, my brother ran up to me, gave me the biggest hug. And he was like, holy shit, like you just ran a 339 marathon. I put myself in that state and immediately my state is elevated. So now whatever activity 
I'm about to step into, whether it's go to the gym, whether it's make an important phone call, whether it's a, approach a girl at the bar, whatever the case may be, I'm already in an elevated state just from utilizing the anchoring and so forth. It's a very powerful tool. Hmm. So it's really like when you're, you're like putting the feeling in your body, is that like the whole, is that like the main Absolutely. point of anchoring? Absolutely. Let's, can I challenge you for a second? Yeah. Okay. So tell me an experience from your past that when you think about it, you immediately get maybe butterflies or you think, wow, that was a special moment in time. I think about my, um, I think about my guidance counselor in college who gave me a plan of action to reapply because I failed out and I was just at the lowest of the low of my life. And I just felt like an idiot and felt humiliated and horrible. And she was just, she met with me and she was like, even though I'm not your counselor, like, come on, I'll meet with you. And she just created this whole plan for me. And it made me so like, it made me feel so certain of my life. Like I had a plan of action and this woman believed in me. And it was like, I almost tear up every time I think about it. Cause it was just so powerful to me. That's fantastic. How did it make you feel specifically? It made me feel hope. It was like in a place where I just felt lost and damaged and stupid. It made me feel like, wait, there's hope. I could turn around. I could turn my life around. I could have the life I want. I have a plan. I know what to do. Like I'm certain of what to do. And it was just like this confidence boost, I guess, overall. I could feel it radiating out of you right now. So basically it gave you a strategy, which gave you confidence. Yeah. Doesn't even thinking about that moment right now kind of elevate your state and make you feel some type of way? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I like yeah, so smiling you, right now. Like if I, try, <laughs> if I try. That's what I'm saying. It's very obvious. So now you have that tool in your arsenal. Anytime you want, any day you wake up or, or situation, if you're not in your peak Stephanie state, where the case would be, you can, you can take 30 seconds, tap into that moment, and then come back. And you're immediately going to be a little bit higher. Let's say you're at a six you're at least going to be at a seven or an eight and so forth. So you have that tool. And the fun part is, is that you can journal and you can make a list of other experiences in addition to that one with your guidance counselor. And you can tap into those at your disposal whenever you see fit. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's kind of like uh, David Goggins has this mental cookie jar um, yes. idea that he says, he's like, just have a few memories in your head that make you feel like badass and powerful and just keep them in there. Same concept. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so for guys, all right. So for guys, say guys wake up and a guy wakes up in the morning, one of my listeners, um, cause this is how they typically go. Like they just feel lagging, lagging of energy and just like, Oh, another day. Would it help to think of a moment when they were really energized or is it just about like changing their mood? Yeah. So thinking of a time where you're very energized and then you go to emulate that obviously you're going to be a little bit more energized in the current state. So I would definitely recommend that. But most importantly, if someone's waking up every day and they're saying to themselves just another day, that means they're not living inside their vision. They're not aligned with the universe and they're doing something that they don't want to do. So what I would suggest to that person is to really dig deep and kind of figure out what it is that you want to do, where you want to be in a couple of years, whether it's a business relationship, whatever the case would be, because obviously that person respectfully is unfulfilled because I know that because I've been there. That's how I speak from experience. Nowadays, it's different because I'm having so much fun building CLS. And obviously it looks like a meteoric rise to the outside world, but let me just be clear. I don't have a ton of balance right now. I'm working 20 hour days and something else I'd rather be doing, but that's the point. I'm obsessed with this because I love it. I love to help people. I love to revamp mindsets. I love to see the spark of people's eyes come back. And so 
there's no such thing these days as a bad day because even if I'm not a 10 out of 10, which let me be clear it happens, I'm human, I'm still living in a state of gratitude because I get to chase my dreams, help people, and I'm doing what I want to be doing. When you're not doing what you want to be doing, it's hard to find gratitude. And know that again, because two years ago, I was doing that. A year ago, I, I was doing that. It's hard to be grateful when you're not even doing anything that you want to do. Again, be grateful for your health, and I respect that. But for those people, I would suggest to maybe reassess. Mm. Like, are you doing enough to make you happy? I think like sometimes, um, you know, because a lot of men, I feel, especially have pressure where it's like, all right, well, I got to put food on the table right now. Like, I can't just leave and do what makes me happy. Like, um, what would you say to them in terms of balancing to make sure they do things that make themselves happy, but also don't just jump out of their career, even if they hate it and like they got to keep food on the table, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get that. But what, do you, what is it that does make you happy? You know, if money wasn't an issue or if failure wasn't an option, what would you be doing? Let's at least get a little bit of clarity. And then from there, it opens up, you know, a whole new world of possibilities. And let me just be like very precise. I'm not suggesting like leave your nine to five that puts food on the table to start something that you're passionate about without having a plan, because that just wouldn't be smart. But what I am saying is figure out what does make you feel aligned and fulfilled and excited. And let's start to work on that. And chances are, when you're able to identify that, you're going to make it work because you're going to have a never give up attitude and you're just going to make stuff happen. The problem is that so many people are doing things that just don't do anything for them. And that's why they find themselves tired and like burnt out. You're never really tired and burnt out from doing so much of the stuff you love. It's more of doing the stuff that you don't love. It gets you burnt out. And again, I know that because I was there. That's so true. Yeah, I can resonate with that too because I never ever have the feeling of like, oh, another day because I love, I love what I do. And even though I know I'm like, working a lot right now. And like, I'm not in the ideal position. I'm like, Hey, I'm leading there. Cause I know what it looks like. And that excites me. So that like, that lights a fire into my ass. And I think that, you know, like you're saying when people get, um, or just dragging and have that loss of energy, it probably goes back to what you were mentioning before, where they don't have the clear colorful picture of what they actually potentially could be doing. Like it's not real enough. That's They're right. not creating a real enough story. That's right. hundred percent right. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And what would, um, I'm curious to know what your, um, what your self-talk is like, because I'm big on self-talk and I'm big on sharing with my guys, the importance of transferring thoughts from something as simple as like, Oh fuck, I'm such an idiot to like, where they're <laughs> kind of kidding, where it's like, you know how you have those little moments of just like, fuck, I, I screwed up again, like shit. And you just get in these habits of talking to yourself in that way where it's not productive doesn't make you feel good about yourself. I know me in my past, I used to always say, oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I'm so stupid, so stupid. And I would say that on repeat all the time. And I felt stupid. Like I felt like a stupid girl eventually because it was like, that's all I, I told myself that so much. Um, so I'm really just, I always have the guys be very aware of like how they're talking to themselves and how it relates to what they, you know, what they want in their life. Um, and their self-talk always relates to what they have currently. Like it always matches, right? So like, what did you, what do you know about self-talk that you have used in order to get you through breakthroughs in life? Love it. Phenomenal question. So two things. Number one, what's almost equally as important is how to combat negative self-talk. 
and a tool that you can use and the audience can utilize for that is you have the ability to control the volume of the voice in your head. So if you don't like that voice, you could turn down the volume so you could barely hear it. Another goofy fun tool is you can change the tonality of the voice. So instead of it sounding mean and nasty like Darth Vader, you can make the voice in your head sound like Bugs Bunny and then it ain't going to be so intimidating. <laughs> you, might, you might laugh, but these tools that. really work. Yeah, I never really knew work. about that one. Yeah. So I, I say mantras to myself all day. Like if I told you half the mantras that I say to myself, you'd think I'm out of my mind, a lunatic, but I'll share a couple with you. Like yeah. when I'm going into a big call or Zoom, whatever the case would be, like I'll go into my journal and I'll read a couple excerpts, something like this. Power is not obtained through shortcuts. It's obtained through commitment, vision, and a godlike confidence. And then I remember like I have a confidence in my opinion is second to none. Or read some of my notes from some of the books that just says like throughout history, the greats have managed to have such a strong self-belief that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'll say things like he walked destined for greatness, elevated above the crowd. And I literally visual myself doing these things. And yes, I'm a little bit of a lunatic, but this stuff works for me. I constantly affirm to myself like very positive and inspirational badass mantras. And then it excites me and I roll with that. Yeah. I love that. You got to go with what works, what excites you and what works for you. And it's funny how like, you know, we have this, um, cause I have some crazy weird mantras too, that I say to myself that I normally, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, believe it, you weirdo. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I definitely have share one. Um, share one step. <laughs> I mean, I guess like one of mine that I, that I do, one that like gets me excited is like, I'm an amazing storyteller. Like I have an incredible story and whenever I deliver it, I excite people. And, and this is something I'm trying to build more of. So this is one I've been taking on, like I've been repeating myself more because I do wanna be more comfortable sharing stories and telling stories. Um, so whenever I like, whenever I notice I need to do more of something, I'm like, all right, what's a mantra I could start saying to, to start? you know, implementing more of that into my life and have my audience notice it. And it's crazy how like for the longest time I was working on my captions and feeling like I wasn't a good writer. So I started using the mantra every day of I'm an excellent copywriter. Like when I write copy, it sells. Um, people always want to like respond to my DMs when I have something that relates to them and it makes them feel like I'm speaking to them. And I was so intense with this one mantra for like a month. And a little after that, I had so many guys DMing me about my captions and just being like, I feel like you're talking to me. Like, you're such a good writer. Did you go to writing school? Like, did someone like help you? And I was like, holy shit, like nothing really changed other than my belief in me being a, a better writer than I was. And it was just That's really, right. it was so intentional, I guess. Yeah. I love that you just shared that. And it's self-belief and confidence on everything in this world. Like a confidence and a good energy will take you places that like you know being a harvard grad or all these you know phds like nothing can equal confidence is everything and self-belief and your story just solidified that just by telling yourself things elevating your state and making yourself confident you can't be stopped and then obviously people see that and they're attracted to it and even like i'll go as far as to say like what maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong but what are women really attracted to in a guy like is it a hundred percent looks? Not really. It's usually confidence. The energy and the feeling. Yeah. The confidence. Exactly. Confidence and energy with guys. So I think confidence and a good energy, but specifically self-belief and confidence will take you anywhere you need to go in life.
Yeah, I totally believe that. And I think that like, you know, it was when my sister was applying to jobs too. She was like, oh, I don't have like the qualifications. I was like, go to the interview, have the confidence. Like you can do this. You could do whatever, you know, they just want to see someone who's going to fight for that job. Like they're not going to nitpick on all the bullet points of the resume. Like they want to know you can That's handle right. it. And you're going to show them you can handle it. Like go fucking do it. And you know, it was just like, it really is. And she got, she got the job. Like she got a great job that she, she really loves now. Um, of course she did. But it was just like, yeah, it's about the confidence. And what I tell with guys is, what I tell to guys is, I think a lot of men think, oh, well, confidence, um, like there's definitely, you definitely need competence too, right? Like you gotta know what skills you're using in order to have a certain level of confidence. So with guys, it's like, if they feel like they don't know what to say, I think men get too hung up on what to say and they don't lead with their energy or like how they feel about themselves. They lead with, well, what is the exact words I need to use with her? When really that's not the number one. It's really like, yeah, have, don't be a social idiot. <laughs> like have a certain amount of social intelligence. So you know how to talk to a person, but focus more on that confidence of you. Like what makes you proud to be the man that you are? How can you lead with that energy? And how can you approach a woman with that energy so that it's not about, you know, leading with, okay, what am I going to say? Because once you say that, it's done. Then what? You right. know, energy lasts the entire time. And she's going to um, she's gonna resonate to the confidence. Women don't remember what you say. They remember how you make them feel, right? More importantly. Ooh, so it's love that. And also, I just want to, I couldn't agree with you more in regards to confidence. Like, confidence is necessary for most things. But like, if you're jumping out of a plane with a parachute, you'd rather have confidence when to pull the lever and so forth, then confidence. So I definitely understand your point in regards to that. And also like with a guy and like, and like approaching someone at the bar, whatever the case may be, like, yeah, forget, once you start thinking about like, what am I gonna say, you already lost. Like she'll sniff that out in two seconds because you're being not authentic, not yourself. When you're gonna be super confident, be confident in yourself and what you bring to the table and who you are and your core values. And then just have a conversation about that. And you guys are either aligned or you're not. And if you're not, that's okay too. Like, look, not every girl is for every guy or whatever the case may be. Not every guy is for every guy, depending upon you know what your style is. Like, But being your true authentic self, you'll find out if that person is really for you and being confident and being confident in your own skin and comfortable and so forth. But what I'm trying to say is like, if you do all those things properly and you are your true authentic self and you speak to someone else and there's just not a lot of alignment there, you guys have a lot of different, you know, beliefs or commonalities or different upbringing, whatever the case would be, that's fine. On to the next. It just is what it is. But at least know that by going in as your true authentic self is what I'm trying to say. Mm, yeah, I love that. That's a great point. Cause I think, and I think that's why guys get so frustrated and damaged from rejection. It's because they're not sure if they're leading with their authentic self, they haven't built up a relationship strong enough in themselves and built up love for themselves to a certain extent to where they know they're being like true to their values and true to their core. Because if you really knew who you were and you were really like proud of that man and really loved that man and you walked up to a woman and she rejected you for you, you'd be like, all right, moving on. Like it wouldn't really phase you. It wouldn't really hurt you because you're like, I know who I am. I know what I want. She doesn't want me. Okay. That's not what I want. Moving on. You know? And like when you're uncertain or when you're like butthurt over a rejection, that most likely goes back to your relationship with you not being strong enough or knowing what you really want. I love that. I couldn't agree with you more. And with the first option that you gave, like 
you would probably say to yourself, oh, that's her loss or thank you. Now I know, you know, the right girl is the next one I'm going to approach and so forth. And when you worry about rejections, probably because you were trying a little too hard or you weren't your real self and so forth. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, cool. What would you say? Because I have a lot of guys um, who struggle with overconsumption of thoughts from their exes or just like, you know, those past memories come flooding in their head when they, when they broken up, maybe it's months down the road and it's time to move on. Like they've, they've dealt with the pain. They've felt it. They've expressed it. Now it's time to actually move forward and get these thoughts out. What would you tell guys who are just ruminating on past mistakes they made or past wonderful experiences with an ex that is just not going to work out? Like, what would you tell to help these guys move on? Well, first of all, you have to evolve and grow as a human being, right? Like, I'm not the same Craig that started a relationship with my ex-girlfriend, you know, six years ago, whatever the case may be. I'm a whole different person now because I've evolved and I've grown up and I'm more mature and I'm more like in tune with who I am. And, and, and I love that. And the truth of the matter is, is like, if you're still worried about like what an ex-girlfriend said about you from years prior, then like you haven't really evolved because Let's just say, for example, the ex-girlfriend has some validity to her points, but you're not that person anymore because you're growing and you're expanding and your wings a little bit. So if she did feel that way, maybe she was right, but that's not who I am now. So I'm moving forward. I'm going to attract the right girl to meet today. Or maybe she's wrong and she's just bitter and she made you feel a little insecure and it is what it is. Like, how are you going to let that energy destroy you? Like, are you really going to give that type of power to your ex? I mean, respectfully, they're your ex for a reason. And we don't say anything bad about people. We wish them our love, wish them the best, but like you're moving on and it was a blessing in disguise. And that's just that. You can't throw stones at every dog that barks or you'll never be able to move forward. Sometimes just bless and release. Keep working on yourself and have the confidence that the universe is going to provide you the right person for who you are today and who you're becoming. Mm, I love that. What if it's, what if it's more just sadness and not so much like resentment or anger towards her, but it's more like, Oh, like I can't, like she left me and this is so, I'm so depressed and I'm so upset. I just yes. keep thinking about her. So, so look, I, I know this is easier said than done, but how does that serve you? How does that like, look, stop acting like we're going to live twice. We get one shot at this thing. We don't get a sequel. It didn't work out. Right. And like, I had Clinton Sparks, famous DJ on my podcast a while back. And he was giving an analogy and he was talking about being abused when he was younger, but he made this analogy and respectfully, that's a little bit more serious than a breakup. Um, he fell off a bike when he was a kid and broke his leg. So he said like, am I going to think about that bike, hate it and never ride a bike for the rest of my life? How does that serve him? No, it happened. It is what it is. His leg healed. And that's just that. And if he wants to ride a bike again, he will, whatever the case may be. So you can't let another human being, whether it's an ex-partner, a family member, an enemy, whatever the case would be, dictate your inner experience or else you're living their life, not yours. And it's like disrespecting the universe. Like I said, we only get one shot at this thing. Mm. I love that. That's powerful. And even like, that's such a simple saying, like we only got one shot, but like, I, I just realized I haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, we only get to do this thing once and it's not for a very long time. So for the audience listening, stop acting like you're going to live twice. Mm, so true. What, um, 
I wanted to ask you, I don't know why this question, I wrote down this question. I really just wanted to ask you, what was your most humbling experience as a man? Just in, not just CLS, just ever? Yeah, ever. Um, to be honest with you, this is the first thing that comes to mind. So when I first, when I went for my first run, I'd always lifted weights my whole life. Like that was my thing. I wasn't a professional bodybuilder, but that was how it worked out. So for a couple of years back, actually with my ex, like I went for a run and I was so humbled by the fact that I had trouble running a mile without stopping, thinking I was tired. And so I have a very addictive personality. I realized that that was 95% mental. It was a voice in my head that's telling me and dictating my perception of effort. I wasn't really tired. My body, like, you know, I'm pretty athletic. Like I, I can go, like I could run a mile. So that led to running four marathons six months later in one year. But the bottom line is I was so humbled by the fact that that was a challenge to me. Like I know other people, you know, that run a lot and whatever the case would be. So I wanted to, that moment I was, I became obsessed with running, which led to signing up for the New York City Marathon just a few months later. And that just came to my head because I just remember thinking like, I can't run a mile without stopping. It just humbled me. And then I used it as fuel and inspiration and obviously went on a nice little running journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. I had um, a similar experience where I was in the fitness world for like five years and I couldn't run a mile, but of course, like I could, it was just my brain holding me back due to what I, what I later learned was that um, I had like two obese friends, best friends when I was younger and they were my only friends in middle school. So I would have to walk, I would always walk the mile with them because they couldn't run. Um, like, because they actually had weight holding them back. I didn't. So it's like in my head, it was like, you can't run a mile because you're going to lose your friends. If you, do. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, like, that's the story. And when I realized that, like, I went on a run with my friend and we just like fucking did it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like all these years, I thought it's so funny. That's, that's yeah. a lot of alignment right there. I love that. What was your, what was your like breakthrough when you realized you could, like, you were just, you were the same way. You were just like, wait, I can't, I can't run a mile. Yes, I can. And you just did it. Like, what was the, I remember going home that night and like, I worked, I wrote it down on my workout journal. And I was like, all right, ran a mile today. Not super proud of the pace. And then the very next day I was back out there. And I, I remember I ran two miles. It wasn't super fast, but it was definitely much better. Um, and then I started running like, you know, three miles there, four miles there. And then I signed up for a 10K, which is 6.2 miles. Bang that out. And I was like, all right, what are we doing here? Let's just do a marathon. Let's do a moonshot. And then I told the world, which is very uncharacteristic of me, that I was going to win the New York City Marathon. I remember like all my friends, like, since when do you run? I was like, actually, I don't. But this is what we're going to do. And then I did that. And then ultimately, when I started CLS and launched that, I utilized the same strategy. When I started putting out content, if you go back to my Instagram or Facebook, you can go back to the first video I posted, which was actually less than a year ago. I think it was last June. To me, in this cute little purple button down, basically telling the world who I am, what I'm about to start doing, helping people revamp their mindsets and putting out content and so forth. And I did that not only to tell the world what I was doing, but subconsciously, I remember from the marathon, by putting that out there and having everyone hold me accountable, there's no backing out now, right? Now I'm going yeah. all in. So I utilize that same strategy. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> got to be a man of your word, right? Like, what if you do? 100%. Yeah. Love that. What made you start, like, 
what was it like starting CLS? Like what was the, what was the whole, like, I know like you got into neuro-linguistic programming and then you were like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to start this. What was that journey? Has that, that's been since the pandemic, since you start CLS? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. I've had it. Look, I said this as humbly as I can. I know there's been a lot, a lot of success and so forth. I know it doesn't always happen like that. I'm very humbled, but I had a, I had a strategy and I was all in. I, I made a commitment. And to answer your question in a word, what was it like when the idea of CLS came to fruition? The very next day I acted and bought the domain in a word, exhilarating. I've never felt more alive in my entire life. And I remember making a mission statement, AKA a Velfi of me talking to myself on my phone. And I basically said to myself, I was like, I've been good at stuff in my life that I didn't even like, or that didn't even come natural to me, such as start these specific businesses into juggernauts in industries that I wasn't really passionate about, such as run the four marathons. Running was cool, but it was natural to me. I was like, this CLS thing, like helping people revamp their mindsets. And people would always come to me to get inspired. I always had a, a gift to be able to elevate people's states and make them want to take action. I was like, this stuff actually feels natural to me. I actually love this stuff. So if I succeeded in those things, I, how am I going to fail at this? And so I, I just put together a very specific strategy and, and I just started going all in. And it's been the ride of a lifetime. And don't blank, we're just getting warmed up. That's amazing. Oh, that's so cool. And I, I have like a similar, I have a similar mindset for me where I'm like, there's no way I'm going to fail like doing what I do because I just love it too much. But right. I do often struggle with like, you know, the voices in my head, which I'm going to use that voice exercise now. <laughs> I think that could be really helpful. Good. Um, Good. But yeah, the voices of like, oh, like don't get too much attention. Like you don't want to come across like an attention whore. I think that's like one of my voices that pops up. So it's like, yeah, you couldn't put yourself out there, but don't do it too much because you'll be, you know, people will think you're just trying to get attention. So I have to change. But also, that. you never, you never, you, you got to put out, keep putting out great content, which you do. You never know who you're reaching. Like I was recently speaking to someone who I had no idea he was following the CLS. He knew almost all my different pieces of content, all the episodes from the CLS Experience podcast, like all the videos I've made, Instagram lives. Like he's been following the whole time. So. You know, just for you, like you never know who you're impacting and really making a mark on. That's true. That's true. What do you do to like overcome that fear of judgment? Because I know that's something within all of us, right? We don't want to be ostracized from the social norms or the social crowd. So it's a huge fear to feel like you're going to be judged. What do you do whenever you have moments of like, or do you ever have moments of fear of judgment? And what do you do to combat it? I don't give a shit about that because I'm having too much fun and I feel too aligned. <laughs> Like, I would even say this, like, this is kind of deep, but like, if this was it for me now, right? Like I, I, earlier in the conversation, I said what I would feel like before CLS, but if this is it for me now, I can live with that because for the last year, I went all in on my dreams. I helped thousands of people and I really left a legacy that my family could be proud of, but most importantly, helped a lot of people and I had so much fun doing it. And so I don't give a shit what people think because I'm not out here to make friends I'm here to help people and be a beacon of hope and inspiration for people. And most people love it. You know, I'm sure there's a couple out there that whether there's jealousy or they just don't like my style. Look, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I'm not everyone's glass of whiskey. It is what it is. Again, I go back to the statement. Like I don't have the time to throw stones at every dog that may or may not bark. I just don't because I'm too busy building this thing and I'm obsessed with it. So 
I just don't allow myself even an instant to think, care about what other people think. I just need to make sure that I'm doing the right things and putting out the right content that can help someone in some way. And as long as I'm doing that, whatever comes with it is what it is. Mm, I love that. And I love that you use the word obsession so much in, in a way that like, you don't give a fuck. Cause I always felt like I was obsessed and like, I would sometimes get like, you're too obsessed. You need to calm down. Like you need to like go do other things in your life. And I'm like, what if I don't want to, <laughs> what if I like yeah. doing, you know, exactly what I'm doing. And I think that like Grant Cardone's book, I don't know if you heard of be obsessed or be average, but I'm like, familiar. yeah. So he talks about the same thing. He's like, you gotta be obsessed with your work. Like the ones who win are the ones that are <laughs> just outwardly obsessed and don't give a fuck what people think about it. So I that's love right. That. I think being obsessed is a, is a gift. Obviously you want to be obsessed with the right stuff, not things that do you harm or do other people harm. But if you find something that lights your soul on fire and it's for the greater good, like that's a gift to be obsessed with something like that. I think a lot of people aren't obsessed with things. And as a result, they live in mediocrity or they're unfulfilled, so to speak. So in, yeah. in regards to your obsession with what you're doing right now, I would channel that. You would what? Channel it, milk it, embrace it, step into it, own it. Yeah, I got to step into it more and just not give a fuck. That's right. Cool. I do want to um, I do want to bring up uh, as the last question. I want to th there's a quote on your I think it was on your website. You said people aren't broken. Their frames often are. And I yeah. thought that was really interesting. And I wanted I would love for you to expand on that and what that means. Yeah. So for the audience listening, like for anyone that thinks they're going through it or they're at rock bottom or they just can't seem to break free of their past relationships or they're living with shackles on, like you're not broken. Let me be very clear to the audience listening. You are worthy of living the life you desire. You're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. Your frame of mind, though, your perspective, that might be broken. That might be corrupted. The good news is, especially with all the NLP stuff that I train with and I teach is you can rewire your perspective and you could fix the way of your thinking and reprogram your brain and you can change everything. And it's the same thing as where like if someone wakes up, two people, right? And they both look at the same thing. One person gets completely dejected and then their day spirals out of control. The other person looks at that and sees an opportunity, a possibility, and they utilize that and catapult them into having an epic, unbelievable day. The difference between those two people is perspective and your frame, your map of the world. And so a lot of people that are out there that are just in a rut, or whatever the case may be, here's the great news. You're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. You just need to revamp your mindset a little bit and alter your perspective. And then the seas will part and everything will open up for you. Yeah. So true. Ah. Yeah. It's just the way you're looking <laughs> It's the way you're looking at things, right? It's not what you're looking at. It's the way you're looking at it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So cool. All right. Can you tell us a little bit, just tell the audience a little bit about your podcast and what you have going on with the CLS experience? Yes. Yeah, so we launched in January and it's been the ride of a lifetime. Essentially, it's an opportunity to platform to have big name people on the show. Everyone that you've heard of, whether it be Hollywood actors, professional athletes, Olympians, musicians, whoever, but no one cares about the success stories. Everyone's got Wikipedia for that. We dive deep into the mindset as they were at rock bottom, as they were pushing through adversity, going through it, so to speak, pushing through challenges and obstacles and so forth. And what was their mindset? 
how they then overcame that and then got to the top of their field because that's what makes these larger than life figures relatable because we're all, we all have that potential to be legendary or do great things. So I really like to dive deep and ask the tough questions that no one else wants to ask. But also we have a lot of fun. We get the energy going. So you may laugh, you might cry, but you'll absolutely be able to pull away tangible techniques from the episodes. You can listen to CLS Experience anywhere you listen to the podcast. And we just crossed 110,000 downloads in the first three months. So super exciting. And I can't wait to have you on at some point as well so that we can trade that because it's been so much fun here today. Oh my God, I would love to. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that. And I love that. I love that you're taking there out in your podcast of like digging into the mindset of the, maybe like the trial and error part of their, you know, their journey where it's not just, because I feel like you do either hear just the success and it's like, you've made millions in months and like no one, <laughs> no one can really, your everyday person can't, you know, relate to just relate that to part, that. but they can relate to the pain and the struggle. And like, I think that's awesome. That's so cool. There's not a lot of people. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Craig, for being on. This was so much fun. I want you to just give one, if the listeners were to walk away with one major point that you would want them to remember, if they remember nothing else on this show, but this one point, what would it be? Look yourself in the mirror, especially if you're not happy and you're not fulfilled, and but you do have a good idea and there is something that you want to pursue. Look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, why not you? Why not you? Because if it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. There's nothing that you don't possess that you can't adapt and build a skill set to to accomplish a big, epic moonshot. Whatever it is that you're looking to do, start a coaching business, launch a podcast, run a marathon, put yourself out there for a relationship, whatever the case may be. Why not you? We all have it in, in us. It's not so much the craft as it is the ability to tap into that craft and access the power and the magic that we all have. You just need to revamp your mindset and change your perspective. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> Give me chills. I'm going to have such a great work day today. <laughs> Good. My pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. You're welcome. It really was. Thanks, Craig.